Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Leave It In The Locker Room. I hope you are well and all surviving. My name is Charlie Green, and it's great to be back with you once again for another episode. If you are new to the podcast, well, the idea is to have a current or ex-sporting professional on as a guest, and they'll be putting forward three things they would like to remove from their respective sport. It can be really anything. And the point is to give sporting professionals the opportunity to come on and speak openly about what really, really annoys them whilst partaking in their sport. Of course, I'll also find out how our guest is doing and the regular feature locker room questions will finish off the pod. Now, it's time to welcome on my guest for today's episode and they just keep getting better and better, people, as I welcome on another world champion. That is the second in two episodes. So today's guest is an undefeated English professional boxer currently with Eddie Hearn's Matchroom Boxing. She is a two-weight world champion, having held the IBO lightweight world title from 2017 to 2019. And she is the current WBC super lightweight champion of the world. I've always wanted to do that. Anyway, it brings me great pleasure to welcome on Chantal Cameron to Leave It In The Locker Room. I think we're also being joined by a dog. Welcome to the podcast, Chantal. And how is everything with you? Really well, thank you. Back in camp now, so uh, tired and busy. So here we are in lockdown 3.0 in England. It looks like there's no end in sight. So when you are not training and in camp, what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Um, well, it's a bit hard at the moment, obviously, we have been in lockdown, but luckily I've got a fight day now, so that's keeping me keeping me occupied. But um, nothing really, just walking my dog, reading, watching Netflix. Yeah, what is, um, so what's the TV show you're binge watching on Netflix currently? So I've been watching Bridgerton, that's good, and uh, I think it's called, just finished it now, um, what's it called, Service, oh, I can't what it's called now, Service or something on BBC, iPlayoffs and, and the really good show okay fair enough and you like you mentioned that you've got your french bulldog to occupy most of your free time what's his yeah. name and is he, is he well behaved kobe yeah he's good as gold he's uh looking at me there just boring about making noise um yeah really good little psychic comes up for compliments so um, now, obviously, as an elite sportswoman, you're allowed to continue to train and go to a gym during this lockdown. But I can imagine it's sort of very different to normal circumstances. So how challenging has it been to train during COVID times? It's hard because obviously there's no normal gyms open. So the weights and treadmills and stuff is a little bit more difficult. Boxing gym, you've got the bags. But it's a boxing gym, it's um, bags, pads, skipping a boxing ring for sparring, but not many boxing gyms. You have treadmills and uh, all the weight equipment and stuff. So that's a bit tricky because obviously part of my routine is strength and conditioning. And it's hard to get that then sessions in at the moment because nowhere's open. But you just have to work around it. So many body weight sessions and circuits. So are you going to the uh, same gym you would normally go to if it wasn't during COVID times or...? Yeah, my boxing gym. Yeah, okay, cool, cool. And also during COVID times, back in October last year, you, of course, won the WBC Super Lightweight World title, beating Brazilian <laughs> Adriana Rujo, winning every round of the bout and fat. So now that you've had some sort of time to let it all sink in, what are your oh, memories? Oh, my God, please look- say not it. Kobe, stop. That's enough. Sorry, he's literally just like barking and boring about... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all good it's all good I was, I was just gonna say like basically as it's all sort of now you've had time to let it all sink in what are your memories looking back on the fight 
Yeah, I just watched rewatched the fight actually yesterday, and you just blew her away. Obviously, your competitor came in overweight, as you say, at the weigh-in, meaning there was a lot of sort of tension surrounding her camp pre-fight. How much of a distraction was all of that, and then sort of how did you keep your concentration? I just remembered what was on the line, and now the WBC fell, and I had to just switch off from all that. At the end of the day, she didn't do half of her job. And I'd done my job and I was prepared, fully, fully prepared and fully ready for to become a world champion. So when I knew that she'd uh, missed weight on the scales, I kind of was like, well, you already showed quick there and not as hungry as me. So I played in some hands, really. And I just ignored it and thought, all I've got to do now is perform. I knew that she could win the belt, but she could beat me. So I just knew that all I have to do is beat her and I'll win the belt. There's only going to be one world champion that night. Yeah, and you mentioned the famous green and gold belt. Where is that now? That's at home in my bedroom. I've got a nice little shelf. Up there on display. Um, and also one more question yeah. about sort of the fight. Obviously, it was a weird one because you had no fans there as well. I generally think a ring walk with no fans must be one of the most awkward things in school. It was so awkward. I remember I just asked Jamie and Nigel to walk in with me and they thought we can and I was like, oh, I was like, it's literally so awkward because what are you supposed to do? There's no crowd, there's no shower on the thing, there's no build-up and you just feel a bit of a muppet really walking in. I remember oh, I just ask it, so just get something done with as quick as I can, get in the ring to start. I think in one part of it, I had to run a bit, so I really wanted to just get in there and get the lights off me. Yeah. And, of course, you defend your World Super Lightweight title in your next fight against Melissa Hernandez on March 20th. How's preparation going towards that? And have you heard anything about the location? Nothing about location. Preparation's uh, brilliant. Doing what I've got to do. Uh, nine weeks out, so I'm not going guns blazing so far because I am a while out. But at the moment, it's technique. And I have three graph days a week, and the rest is technique because my fitness is almost there anyway, so... I don't want to overdo it and burn myself out. So um, Jamie and I are happy with where my fitness is at. So they're just getting my technique side of things now and um, going through tactics already. Loving it. It's, it's going to be a good fight for me. I'm, I'm sure it is. It's good to hear. And of course, whilst I have you on here, there's also a lot of talk in the media about a potential epic showdown between yourself and Katie Taylor. Is this a fight that you want to see happen? I want to see it happen, but I think there's a few people that don't want to see that fight happen and that's not the boxing fans I'm always getting um, tagged in things saying they want to see me and Katie fight all the time but I think it's more down to her team that don't want it Katie that wants it Katie's a boxer Katie's a fighter she probably wants to fight just as much as well not just as much as me I think I want more but I think Katie probably wants to fight she's a fighter she doesn't want to be turning down fights especially when I did win my mandatory but I think uh, I think a few people know that I could cause an upset and they don't want to upset because at the end of the day, she wants to go down as a legend. And if I go and beat her, it's all brushed under the cafe, and it? She's, she's not going to be finished and undefeated. So, yeah, I want that fight. But I, 
realistically, I can't see it happening. Like, it's not even being big-headed. They just think they know that I'm a, I'm a danger and I'm a yeah. problem. So they're going to avoid me like a plague. And it's a bit frustrating because I've done what I've had to do to prove myself. But now they're doing any avenue they can to make sure that they get any opponent that's not me. Not even had an offer for a fight. So, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's so running out of names now. She's running, must be running out of names now. I think, who else can you box? You'll be running out of names soon, but you, you drag someone out. You probably dig deep somewhere and pull someone out of the bag to make sure that my name's not popped in there. That, that's so interesting because I also thought potentially because you're both represented by Eddie Hearn's match in boxing, that actually it might be easier for it to go ahead. Yeah, but then you look at on with Matchroom, so it keeps apart as well. Yeah, interesting. I and mean, so just before we move on to the three things that you'd like to remove from boxing, Eddie Hearn, I have to ask, what is it like working with him? Uh, to be fair, I've never really, anything came on management, they, they work with him. So I'm just a boxer, really. Um, MTK, great management. Got me in position I'm in. Got me my two managers. Obviously, got my world title shot at super lightweight. The lightweight mandatory has just vanished out of nowhere. Um, yeah, so it's great to be on a matchroom banner because, obviously, in my opinion, it's the biggest promotion in the UK and they're doing great things, especially for female boxing. But personally, like, I've not really worked with him just on the matchroom banner. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, so... We do have to get on to the reason why you've come on to a podcast there, and that's for you to come and put forward three certain things you want to remove from your sport boxing. So the way this is going to work is one by one, Chantelle is going to put forward three things you'd like to remove from boxing. We're going to discuss them, and Chantelle is going to try and convince me that they should be removed from her sport. So after hearing Chantelle's arguments, I'll then pick one of the three things to hypothetically remove from boxing to then leave it in the locker room. So Chantelle, what is the first thing you would like to remove from boxing, please? So women's two-minute rounds. Okay, and what is it that you dislike about women's boxing rounds being only two minutes? So the men box three-minute rounds, and amateur females box three-minute rounds. So I just don't see why women's professional boxing should be two-minute rounds because they're over too quick. And for the fan purposes, it's not as entertaining, whereas the extra minute is going to bring in a lot more fans because it's with more stoppages, more time in the ring, and I think uh, the pace and everything will just be more entertaining. Okay, that's that's very well said. So, So would you like... To see women's boxing rounds end to what to be the three minutes uh, length. Three like minutes the men's. like the men. Yeah, like the men. And then would you have it continued at 10 rounds or would you make it 12 rounds like the men as well? See, that like, 10 or three, I think you shouldn't be greedy and be like, but I want 12 free just because the men do. They should start off with 10 because we do 10 twos. And then if everyone feels like they want to do 12 threes, 12 threes. But I think at the moment, just changing it to three minute rounds. Feel like going to 12 rounds is just jumping the gun. Yeah. So I feel like it's stepping stones, make it three minute rounds to begin with. And then if enough make the argument, then go 12 threes like the men. Yeah. And I do completely get except what you're saying about amateur boxing there as well, because like you said, there are instances where amateur women's boxing is three minutes or around. So in my eyes, it doesn't really make sense for when an athlete is to make that jump from amateur to professional, but actually yeah. they're almost sort of spending less time in a ring that almost means like they're taking a step back almost yeah yeah and I feel like uh, we train well personally I train two minute rounds and I just think like two minute rounds have gone in a flash so they literally go so fast and I just feel like 
spinning it around is just going to bring in more audience, especially because women's boxing needs to grow. It's still not there. Like, it still needs a big push. And I just think just the one difference of having a three-minute round could be that push. Yeah. Do you think if it was to change the three rounds, would it benefit you personally in any way with your fighting style? Yeah, because of my style. I'm fit and I'm relentless. And I always seem to get to people at the last 30 seconds of a round, then they have a minute to recover. So it's hard to get stoppages. Whereas that extra minute, I'm going to be getting a lot more opponents out of there. And let's be realistic, in professional boxing, people do want to see stoppages. Not a game of ticking there. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think partly the argument is that sort of women's boxing isn't as entertaining as the men's due to yeah. men not being as almost as many stoppages and knockouts as the men's format. Yeah. So you would say if it was an increase by a minute to a round, that would present more, more opportunities yeah, for knockout yeah. results. And then that essentially would make it more entertaining, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I have to give the other side of the argument uh, on yeah. the show. And I think the other side is basically this like biological factor and a safety point of view. So for instance, where World Boxing Association, such as what the WBC have said, that the reason for the difference in number in round times between men and sort of women's pro boxing is based on that sort of physiological, psychological and physical differences between women and men. Yeah. And they want to keep it safe for their athletes. So what would your response be to this? I've, I've heard of that. I've heard about that before, but we, we get medicals every year. So every year we have to pass the medical to box. And if there's a difference in medicals, then firmness, the argument, but at least give it a trial. If we spare three minute rounds, then fight three minute rounds. Yeah. Then they we're boxers. It shouldn't matter if you're female or male, we are boxers. And we do the exact same graph as the guys in the gym. We put just the amount, same amount of effort in. So that's my argument to that. No, it's very well said. The only thing I would say, I think I saw a study the other day that there that women are sort of eighty percent more likely to get a concussion than men, and it yeah. may take a woman sort of longer to recover from a hit. So, would you be happy to put yourself more at risk in order to improve equality in the boxing world? Well, what I'll do is there'll be trial and error, so you can only get them results if you do try it. So, yeah. Okay, so you're calling basically just for them to have a go and see how it goes because you think it will definitely Yeah, and work. then we'll, you'll see on medicals, we get, medi- we, got, we get tested every year. So if there was proof in there saying that it's more damage to the female boxers, then obviously go to stream your arms. Yeah. And sort of talking about the equality in the sport, there are obvious examples of differences like this in other sports, for instance, like Grand Slam tennis, men play best of five sets, women play best of three. Uh, so comparing equality in boxing compared to other sports, how do you think the sport is doing? Um, we're not paid the same as the men. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's that factor. But other than that, yeah, um, Eddie Hearn's letting women headline shows. We're, we're on big shows. We're on pay-per-view shows sometimes. He's done a female double world champion headliner. He's done that on the road. So it's definitely getting better, but obviously it's not up there yet. Yeah, I think it's just, I guess it's a work in progress, but change is occurring. Maybe not as quick as some people might like to to see it. But individuals like Eddie Hearn, you mentioned there, and Katie Taylor, they're really sort of leading the way of this campaign, wouldn't you say? Oh, 100%, yeah. Okay. And last question on this. How many of your fellow boxing professionals do you think would support this change for it to change from two minutes to three minute rounds? Um, I think almost all of the women. 
really. Most of the majority of women that I've spoken to are all for female arms. Really? Okay. All right, so very good argument there, Chantal. We're now going to go to your second argument. So what's the second thing you'd like to put forward to a locker room to remove boxing? Women happen to wear the full groin guard. Okay, this is an interesting one. So why is it that you want to remove the full groin guard from women's boxing? Because being punched low isn't exactly the same as a man being punched low. But I see the argument for why we have to wear it to protect our organs and stuff. At the same time, if a rest guard ain't forced upon us, then why should a groin guard be? Because they are shaped for men and they're uncomfortable to box them, in my opinion. So I think uh, it should be our choice. Okay. So my first question is, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with this. Is it, Are there differences between both male and female groin guards or yeah, are they is. the same? Okay. No, and what different. are those differences? Uh, well, obviously, women's parts are given to a man's, so the way it fits. And they're, the women's are a lot smaller, so you don't have the big, like a big pattern all around. They're smaller patterns. So um, that, and yeah, just the size, really. The, the men's are massive. Okay. And you mentioned how uncomfortable they are to wear. I mean, they're quite chunky-looking things, aren't they? Yeah. Does it irritate you during a fight? Or, I mean, does it sort I of distract you in a way? Not necessarily, because I've been punched low a few times, and I don't need a groin guard there. Okay, so obviously, like I can't talk from experience here, but correct me if I'm sort of I'm wrong here. But it doesn't it still hurt when a woman is sort of punched in the groin area? Maybe not as much as men, no. but I'm sure it's still sort of bloody painful. But we get we get we get punched in the face. So what's being punched like? We get punched in the face. That's a very good point. So I don't have my face covered, do I? No, it's true. That's a very it's a very good yeah. point. So I mean, have you ever sort of boxed in training without a groin guard? And so what do you all think the advantage all the time? And what are the all advantages the to not having one on? I can move better. I don't have a massive pad in there restricting me. And I've been hit low without a groin guard and absolutely fine. Okay. So you say you've been hit very low. So like it's obviously it's illegal in a fight to make contact with your competitor. I would say loads, but obviously sparring, you could you get caught by accident. Yeah. So it's illegal to make contact with your competitor below the belt. So like how like when you say how often do you get hit in that sort of groin area? Very, very rare. So you don't go very... looking to punch someone like. No. And then I mean would you say that most of the time that's accidental or do you think that sort of cheap shots occur? Can't really answer that. Okay. That's fine. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here again. And medically, isn't it highly sort of advised, even if it maybe doesn't hurt as much, isn't it advised that women wear groin guards for the sort of best chance of protection? And that's what I said, we, we're forced to wear that. So you, even if you knew sort of the, well, you know the medical risk, potentially what could happen. I know you say you get punched in the face and you, it happens, you kind of, that's what you sign up for when you want to be a professional boxer, but you'd be happy sort of potentially taking that medical risk. Yeah. Because it, obviously it can lead to some sort of serious injury potential. But then what about our breast? Like, we don't have to wear a breast guard, so there's a medical reason in that. So would you want then, would, do you think it should be mandatory so should to wear be, a breast guard? Yeah. Yes, what I'm saying is we'll take it away because if it's not mandatory to wear a breast guard, why is it mandatory to wear a groin guard? But if you, if you look at science, it's more dangerous not to wear a breast guard than a groin guard. So if you, if you researched that, you'd see that the breast is a higher risk and we don't have to be forced to wear that. Yeah. So we, we can box out a breast guard. Yeah. And if you think about it, you're, 
you're probably more likely to be hit in a chest area rather than a groin area in boxing, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, that's a good argument there as well. Um, the only way I can really relate to it is obviously I, I don't box, but in my childhood, I played a lot of cricket. And on a rare occasion, sometimes I'd have to sort of go in and bat without a box that I guess is the cricket's version of a groin guard, essentially. And I still remember to this day sort of how much I'd be bricking it every time I went in. So my question to you... Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a man. So it's just like it was. It hurt. It would hurt you, but women don't have a lot of man's got. So that's a difference. A man has to wear a groin guard because obviously it hurts them a lot. But for a woman, it doesn't. No, no, it's, it's very true. I'm just saying, but I still think in going back to what I was saying about cricket, I think women still wear sort of box area. So my question to you would be. Without a groin guard on, do you think you'd have as much confidence as you normally would in a fight, or would you generally think it would make no difference at all? It would make zero difference. Okay, I love the argument, Chantal. Very strong. I love it. And we'll now come on to the third thing you'd like to remove from boxing and put forward to the locker room. So, what is that? So, it would be less organization bodies. So, at the moment, like UFC, just have one, there's one more title. And to me, it would probably be to just have one so there's one more champion every way mm-hmm. so is what is it exactly that like frustrates you about all these organizing bodies in boxing sometimes it just makes things tricky like politics mm-hmm. and stuff you can make things a little, little bit more trickier if there's one world champion then that is the final world champion of that weight division there's just one so yeah. that's why sometimes it takes so long to be undisputed because there's so many barriers you've got to go around to become undisputed where you are crowned number one in that weight division. So at the moment, I'm world champion at super lightweight. There's also another three of us. Yeah. I totally get that. there should be one. Yeah, I I do definitely get that, especially for somebody like me who's maybe not so knowledgeable about the boxing world. I just find it almost hard to keep up with all the sort of governing bodies and belts. It's almost, it seems like there are a handful of world champions in each weight category, and it's just for the average watcher, it's actually just too confusing. So there's actually more than four because there's the IBO as well, so there's five. Mm-hmm. So potentially there could be five world champions in your weight division. Yeah, you're just one of them. That's just madness. So you mentioned there's five, but you, I think there's probably, what, four main bodies that sort of the boxing world and then, Yeah, and then the IBO. Yeah, as the, so there's the IBO, then there's the WBA, the WBC, the IBF, and the WBO. But yeah. in the sort of professional boxing community... Do professionals see a particular one as the most prestigious? People would say the WBC, but everyone's got their own opinion. Yeah. So um, a lot of people would say WBC, but then obviously RBF champions are going to say that's wrong. WBA champions would say no, theirs is. So the arguments for that. Yeah, but you'd say WBC. I'd say yeah. Not nothing to do with the reason that you ha- you are the WBC. No, I. <laughs> I actually had a chance to box for the, I can't remember which it was, I can't remember which one now, but I had the choice which one to box for and I picked the WBC. Okay. Just I think it's the major. And you, so yeah, obviously you mentioned that you had a holder of the, the WBC super lightweight belt, but there are sort of those three other boxers with world titles in your uh, weight class currently. Does that sort of bother you at all and that you sort of can't call yourself the undisputed world champion of your weight class? No, that's my dream is to become undisputed. So that's my goal is to become undisputed. So it doesn't annoy me to think I've got to fight them, beat them to become undisputed. But 
there's barriers where maybe them fights may not happen. You just don't know. Yeah. Because it's it's almost it's just so political. Because realistically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. You can only sort of fight twice a year, but really, I'd probably say. Matt, you can box three, four times. Depends you on mean... you and your promoter. Okay, so there's me... nothing stopping you from boxing three, four times, five times if you wanted. Not like not realistic, but you could. Yeah, but you would still say it's it's sometimes it's challenging because of boxing politics to become an undisputed champion just because it's you've got to organize it with all the different sort of companies Promoters, yeah, organizations. Yeah. and that's that's why it's, it's frustrating it has so many organizing bodies because it to get that chance of becoming the undisputed champion it's almost so difficult for you to achieve yeah could be can be so yeah i i really do agree with what you're saying here and i think one advantage though so there being a few governing bodies and titles is that there is sort of maybe potentially more opportunities for fights to happen and for fighters to raise their profile and gain exposure, would you say? Uh, I guess so, yeah, but like there's four world champions in one weight division, so you can gain exposure and your profile and everything through boxing in general. So just putting world champions all in one weight division, it's not really going to raise your profile that much, is it, because there's other world champions. But then it makes good for when you have unification fights. Yeah. brings a bit of hype. It definitely brings hype. But then, them unification fights have to happen. They have to be agreed. They have to be promoted. So it all falls down for that. Yeah, but you you probably say like the fact that you are a world champion, even though you're just in your governing body, you're the world champion. But the fact that you have that world champion title, you personally, that definitely elevates your profile, right? Yeah, you're a world champion. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so what would you suggest is done then? So how many so, or many governing bodies would you like to see? Um, probably just have, well, maybe just have one champion in the weight division. So just like the USA, there's one world champion in the weight division. So for instance, the WBC and just involve the whole boxing world around that. Yeah. And then my question is, do, do you realistically think this can happen? Because I've seen sort of some experts think that it's actually... Yeah, there is, there is talks of it happening. It's probably take a few years, but uh, there's a lot of people who want to see it happen. I think there's promoters that want to see it happen. But obviously, it'll be, it'll be a hard challenge for promoters to put over the table. Yeah, because I think the issue is some people think it's potentially more realistic for there actually there might be an increase in the bodies rather than a deduction. Because like you said, the promoters are wanting to happen, I think. If I'm right, saying Eddie Hearn potentially might want to start his sort of own or uh, governing body, but then wouldn't that sort of recreate more of the problem if there's another governing body and then it becomes six governing bodies, for instance, or five or six? Wouldn't that then sort of feed the issue? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, and then do you think this is an issue um, in a sport that fellow professionals would back you on? Yeah, majority. Yeah, I wouldn't say everyone. There's everyone's got their own opinion. Obviously, yeah. Majority, yeah. yeah. Well, it's got to that time where I have to pick one of these things to remove from boxing and leave in the locker room. And Chantel, you've brought some really good points forward. And I've really enjoyed sort of talking to you more about a sport that I'm not so familiar with. But what I've decided to hypothetically remove from boxing and leave in the locker room is, drum roll please. I'm going to stick in too many governing bodies or what you might sort of call boxing politics uh, into a locker room. And the reason why I'm doing this is I think it's, 
it's all about sort of trying to make the sport more easy to understand for viewers. And I think if there was only sort of one governing body, like you mentioned, that would actually increase the following because fans then that are less knowledgeable would find it easier to understand, to figure out sort of what's going on. If there's that one champion of the world, you can call yourself that champion of the world. Because there's so many sports that you have like a world champion in like football, rugby, you, you name it. So I think it'd be easier for fans to sort of get behind and understand. And I think if you were sort of going to only have one governing body, then that would make sort of boxing politics so much easier than also to schedule these bigger fights and create even bigger superstars. Obviously, boxers are superstars anyway, but if you were to have that one world champion in that sort of weight category, that then would create this huge superstar. With your other arguments, I'm all for equality in boxing and in, in sport. Of course, like that is something I'm, you feel like it definitely needs to be pushed. I'm just not 100% sure the way to achieve that is potentially through increasing the rounds. Um, and then I love your groin guards argument. It's so, so passionate, um, but I'm not sure I can stick that in. So we're going to put too many governing bodies into the locker room where it joins a man cap from cricket and stigma and stuff. And there's a golf clubs alongside other things from previous episodes. So in it goes. And now it's time to play the end of the podcast feature locker room questions. Young Henry, take it away. Well, things have certainly heated up here on Leave It In The Rock Room. But don't worry, if you need to cool down, I have the perfect idea for you, as it's time for Locker Room Questions with Chantal Cameron, brought to you by Buda Vida, the activewear brand giving back to women in sport. And right now, they have an amazing range of exercise mats to help you be comfortable whilst you calm down with some yoga. So head over to the Buddha Vida website and use the code hashtag leave it in the locker room to get 30% off your yoga mat or any other Buddha Vida products. Wow, can't believe I got through all of that without making a downward dog joke. So now it's time to play our end of podcast feature locker room questions, which is normally an opportunity to find out what happens behind the closed doors of a team locker room. But because boxing is such an individual sport, some of the questions are going to be a little different this week. So are you ready, Chantel? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with some traditional ones. And so what is your go-to pre-fight meal? Nando's. Nando's. Okay, and what is it from mm-hmm. Nando's? So double chicken pita, mash and matcha peas. And you normally and it, oh, you can't forget that. You can't forget that. And is yeah. this something you normally have before every fight? Is this like a tradition? Yeah, I love it. Cheeky Nando's, gotta love it. Okay, and then what are your go-to pre-fight music artists you like to listen to? So Beyonce, a bit more chilled before I start actually warming up, and then okay. I go a bit more pumped up and put pop smoke on, and a bit more upbeat music, a bit of dance. Okay. And actually, just out of curiosity, what is your ring walk song? I always mix it up, so I always change it. Okay, any hints on the song for the for your next fight with Hernandez? Too early, yeah, still still inside them. Okay, fair enough. Um, so do you have any pre-fight superstitions? Uh, can't answer that one. Keep that keep that one to myself. Okay. Don't don't share that one. Okay, that's fine. Keep it to yourself. I mean, it, it, it builds a mystery that we all want to know. But yeah, keep it to yourself. Okay, what is the best stadium locker room you've been in? Oh, um, that's a tough question. 
Scotland Hydro. Okay. And then where is your dream fight venue? So it'd be Northampton, Cobbler, yeah. Serena. Ref in Northampton. Love it. And yeah, crowd. Always. And then who would your dream fight be? At the moment in time, me versus Katie Taylor. There we go. There we go. And I have to ask, what is the story behind your nickname? The Boss. So yeah, it's Italian for The yeah. Boss. And Jamie Moore's wife, she came up with it and it stuck. Why have you gone for the Italian saying of it? Just because I think it's cool. Fair enough. Okay, Tyson or AJ? Tyson. And then for you personally, worst moment walking back into the locker room? If I don't feel like I performed at my best. Yeah. Is there, is there a standout moment where you just walked back in gutters but you, you knew you didn't perform? Yeah, I've been a few. Okay. And then best moment walking back into the locker room? With the WBC around my shoulder. Yeah. I just can't believe that. That must have been an amazing feeling of achievement for you. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what that's like. Well, Chantal, thank you so much for coming on and being such a great guest, so honest and, you know, being a fighter with your points coming forward, not backing down when I try to sort of play devil's advocate and sort of change your mind. So I really appreciate that. But we're going to put in, yeah, like I said, governing bodies into the locker room for you. And of course, best of luck with the fight on March 20th. And I'll be watching for sure. And I'm sure the listeners will be as well. So yeah, good luck with that. Thank you. So there we have it. Another episode of Leave It In The Locker Room in the books. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've just been in the ring with Chantel and got an absolute battering. (laughs) But of course, many thanks to her for coming on the podcast. And I wish her all the best in what looks to be an epic future. Thank you all, of course, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you would like to keep up to date with all the news, you know where to find it. Just search for By The Green Media on Instagram and Twitter. Of course, please download and subscribe to Leaving the Locker Room on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I will be back very soon with another episode of Leaving in the Locker Room. So I look forward to you all joining me then.